Google, Kleenex, and Bitcoin, what do they all have in common? We say Google instead of search, Kleenex instead of tissue, and for many, Bitcoin instead of cryptocurrency. Bitcoin is synonymous with crypto, but really, it's just one of the many cryptocurrencies available to trade. When Bitcoin was first developed back in 2008, there were more skeptics than believers. But programmers and developers know the real magic of Bitcoin and the blockchain. It's the source code. The source code used in the development and creation of Bitcoin is open source, meaning free to the public and available for anyone to use, build, and improve upon. And that gave birth to the types of cryptocurrency we'll be talking about today, altcoins. From Matrix Mortgage Global, this is Crypto House, a place where we break down all things crypto in a way that's easy to understand. I'm Sean Allen, the founder of Matrix Mortgage Global, and we're the first mortgage company in Canada to accept cryptocurrency, not only as an asset, but as a form of payment. Whether you're a first-time visitor or feel at home at crypto, there's something here for everyone, and the door is wide open. Welcome to Crypto House. Altcoins can be thought of as essentially clones of Bitcoin, but they can also be so much more. 100% anonymity, smart contracts, or faster transactions. The possibilities of what they can offer seems endless because they come in several types based on what they're designed for. And for those interested in crypto, altcoins provide a way to invest at a relatively low cost. So where should we start? To get familiar with the crypto ecosystem, head over to any number of sites like CryptoMarket.com or Binance to see in real time the current active market and help you become familiar with some of the bigger names. This will help you get the basic understandings of the different altcoins out there. I've added these links to the episode's description. Remember, crypto is literally evolving every minute. So I'm describing the coins and tokens available at the time of this recording. That could be more or less dependent on when you actually listen to this. So before we go any further, here's a quick refresher on the altcoins available and what they do. The one you might be most familiar with is a payment token. These are designed to be used as currency, and Bitcoin is the best example of that. The next category is stablecoins, and you'll remember from the last episode that my guest, Elise Sam, did a great job explaining what stablecoins are and their purpose. Then we have security tokens. These are tokenized assets offered on a stock market. That means the value of an asset, like real estate, has been transferred to a token, which is then made available to investors. Security tokens are regulated by securities and exchange commissions because they're designed to act as securities. The next category are utility tokens, which are to be used to purchase services, pay network fees, or redeem rewards. These tokens can be purchased on exchanges and held, but they are meant to be used in the blockchain network to keep it functioning. Then we have governance tokens, which allow holders certain rights within a blockchain, such as voting for changes to protocols. 
These are essentially utility tokens, but have come to be accepted as a separate type because their purpose is so specific. The last category are meme coins, which are inspired by a joke or a silly take on another well-known cryptocurrency. And we'll talk a bit more about these altcoins because it's been making headlines lately. With so many options and viral marketing tactics out there pointing you towards the next big thing, how do we anchor ourselves and not get pulled into a bad investment? Do your research. A great place to start is by looking at failed altcoins. And I'm serious. The most epic the fail, the more we can learn. As the saying goes, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. A prime example of that is the OneCoin. It is really a pleasure for me to be here one and a half years after we launched our cryptocurrency OneCoin. I think today we spoke a lot about the network, the vision for the network, how big we want to be. But as always, I want us to remember what this network is about. This network was created to become and to fuel the growth of OneCoin, which I strongly believe will be the number one cryptocurrency worldwide. Back in 2016, OneCoin was sold to investors under the pretense of selling educational material. And in return, they gave tokens that would allow people to mine OneCoins and then they could trade those coins for euros that would be wired to their personal accounts. Sounds pretty good, right? But here's the thing. Even though OneCoin appeared to be a valid cryptocurrency and even had its own e-wallet, there was no OneCoin blockchain or payment system in place. Not only that, but the educational material that they were selling was plagiarized. And in the end, OneCoin was not only a flunked cryptocurrency, but it was also uncovered to be a Ponzi scheme. And if you're wondering, as of right now, the founder of OneCoin and its self-titled Crypto Queen is one of Europe's most wanted fugitives. And Interpol's offering a reward for the information that will lead to her arrest. So OneCoin is a scary one, but not all altcoins are out to get you. Like I mentioned earlier, some of them are just jokes, like Dogecoin, for example. It's a great example of a joke coin or a meme coin that has turned into a crypto phenomenon. Elon Musk has been a pretty public fan of Dogecoin since at least last year, but he's been stepping up those cryptocurrency mentions recently as its price surges. The Tesla CEO called it, quote, the people's crypto back in February. That was when Dogecoin was trading around five cents. Then in April, he tweeted about SpaceX putting a, quote, literal Dogecoin on the moon. When Musk announced his SNL appearance, calling himself the Doge father, it started trending on Twitter, and the coin shot up about 40% that week. Overnight, Musk tweeted out a TMZ interview where he talks about the cryptocurrency, telling buyers to, quote, invest with caution. The digital asset is based, you guys, on a meme of this Shiba Inu dog. It started as a joke back in 2013. This year, though, it's up more than 12,000%. I've talked to a number of newer Dogecoin investors who see Musk and other celebrities talking about it as the main price driver. And that wasn't without controversy. Just recently, a New York district court received a class action complaint against the world's richest man, 
Elon Musk and his companies, SpaceX and Tesla, for an alleged Ponzi scheme using Dogecoin. The lawsuit demanded $258 billion in total monetary damages from Musk, while suggesting that the court rule Dogecoin trading as gambling in the United States. Choosing an altcoin really comes down to understanding your own risk tolerance. If you're risk adverse, then the next category of altcoins and tokens may be for you. They're a lot less glamorous, but to me, security tokens represent the real strength of the blockchain and are much more utilitarian. Because they're directly tied to an asset with real-world value, they're held to the same financial and regulatory oversight as a regular stock. The combination of real-world asset with the power of the blockchain is the future. But they're also not without risk, as seen by the collapse of the Terra project. The sudden collapse of Terra sent shockwaves through the crypto industry. According to Elliptic, holders of UST and Luna lost a total of $42 billion. Major investors like Coinbase Ventures lost millions of dollars as well. Galaxy Digital CEO Mike Novogratz, he stuck with a tattoo of Luna on his arm. It's a shocking collapse of a cryptocurrency that reached record highs just a few weeks earlier. The Terra Project stablecoin was pegged at a one-to-one -one ratio with the dollar. That meant minting one new UST required burning or destroying one Luna, the Terra Project cryptocurrency. This structure was key because users could always swap one Luna for UST and vice versa at the guaranteed price of a dollar, regardless of the market price of either token at the time. But the UST plummeted below its $1 peg that caused a cryptocurrency sell-off, which led to a $60 million loss. That kind of event are very painful uh, for the people who suffer the losses uh, uh, of their money through those events, but it's also a way to clean uh, who is there for the wrong reasons and who are the projects who really are there to, for the long term and, and try to provide utility through their, their black blockchain and token. So back again, the tokens need to have a real utility, not just being there to pump in value and do and generate what we, we, we have seen. Bertrand Perez, CEO of Web3 Foundation, told CNBC at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, that many altcoins won't survive. To talk about the strength of Bitcoin in comparison to altcoins and to try and make sense of the crypto ecosystem, I'm joined again today by Russell Kors. He's the co-founder and CEO of Easy Exchange. So Russell, do you think altcoins will survive? It's a really interesting question, and and um, you know this leads to a, a bigger point. And within the crypto community, there is a significant portion uh, that refer to themselves as Bitcoin maximalists. And what that means is that they have zero interest in any cryptocurrency other than Bitcoin. They believe uh, that Bitcoin is the future, and uh, every other coin they uh, refer to. Uh, you know, every other altcoin they were they actually refer to as a shitcoin. So it's there. Uh, that, that's where that term came from. And um, there, there is something to be said for that point of view. I think it's a little bit too extreme. Uh, but in general, you know, we have uh, Bitcoin, which uh, started up around 2009. Um, we have Ethereum, which is the second largest coin. And uh, although some people refer to it as an altcoin, I personally don't see it that way. Um, I, I think it's it's uh, 
you know, one uh, A or one B to Bitcoin's one A, but it, it it has significant market share and it does a lot of things that Bitcoin cannot do. Um, but after Ethereum, there are somewhere in the neighborhood of fifteen to twenty thousand other coins um, that you know overall refer to as altcoins, and a vast majority of them, I believe, uh, have no reason to exist. Um, and when you look at it. Uh, as, you know, by vertical. So, for example, we have uh, Bitcoin, which primarily is is meant to be a, a currency, a medium of exchange, a store of value, uh, but an alternative to the dollar, let's say. Um, and there are other payment-associated altcoins, but there's probably 500 of them out there. And, you know, the market can support maybe two or three other than Bitcoin, if they have some specialized niche use cases that that uh, might be better than the way Bitcoin might operate. So all of the rest of them will eventually go away. Uh, another good use case for cryptocurrency is distributed file sharing. Um, and again, there's probably several hundred different projects that are all trying to do the same thing and all have a coin out there. And again, the market will support two or three competitors and all the rest will either be bought out or uh, go to zero. So um, I look at it, you know, we, we've gone through these cycles, um, these macro cycles. Uh, the, the, the one that most people would be familiar with was in the late 90s, uh, the dot com boom. And then in 2000, the dot com bust. And, you know, that was a similar situation where, where there were thousands of companies you know, pets.com is probably the, the, the best example, but there were so many companies that really were, were taking in millions of dollars of investment and had no revenue model, had no way of ever reaching profitability. They, they, they were uh, being, uh, their valuations were being determined by how many, you know, visits they would, they would uh, get on their website, but th there was really no plan of how to turn that into revenue and profit. And so a vast majority of those companies went under but, you know, Microsoft, IBM, Dell, uh, Oracle, uh, Amazon, you know, eBay, the ones that had real quality, uh, the ones that actually had value and, and were doing something uh, that the market needed, survived and thrived. And uh, I see the same thing happening now. There's going to be a shakeout, um, you know, and even going back most more recently in 2017, uh, in the last crypto bull run, uh, we had an ICO craze, an initial coin offering, and there were thousands and thousands oh, of ICOs yeah, sure. every day. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Every day there was five, 10 different ICOs that you could invest in. And again, 99% of them went to zero. But if you knew what to look for, if you knew, if you had the expertise and the experience to do proper due diligence, 100x, 500x, even 1000x returns were all over the place. And so... Uh, that's what I see happening right now with altcoins. Uh, it's definitely uh, the the uh, altcoin market is not sustainable the way it is right now. But that's not to say that, you know, 100 out of the 20,000 that are out there will not survive and thrive because they, they truly do something that's unique in the market, that's needed and that provides value. Clients don't want to be sold. They want to be educated. Matrix Mortgage Global, Canada's mortgage company, can help you secure financing for your most difficult deal. 
self-employed, operate a small business, refinancing, or using cryptocurrency, we have a solution for you. Their award-winning advisors will cater to your unique situation. Approved in minutes, let Matrix Mortgage Global help you navigate the mortgage process. Visit matrixmortgageglobal.ca or call 855-55-FUNDS. To really navigate this space, the key for now lies in doing your research, looking into the chosen altcoin or tokens white paper. Every time a company mints a new altcoin or token into the market, they release a white paper. And that white paper can be found on searchable databases online such as CoinMarketCap or whitepaper.io. Once you find the white paper, it will tell you the full scope of what the altcoin developers aim to accomplish. As part of your research, get familiar with the founders of that coin. Have they founded other altcoins before? What's their business background? Because in crypto, you're not only investing in an altcoin, you're also investing in the people behind it. The white paper should have the developer's business plan. And this is where you have to keep in mind that if it seems too good to be true, well, you know the rest. In the end, your investment choices in crypto will come down to your own research. The more comfortable you are, the more confident you'll be in making an informed investment, in particular when there's thousands of Bitcoin alternatives. But for me, in the current market, I only see a handful of coins worth paying attention to. There might be four or five big names that will maintain their dominance. What about you, Russell? What are you seeing out there? Yeah, I mean, overall, like there's there's a number of verticals like within each one. So within the currency vertical, you'll have Bitcoin and you may have, you know, two or three alternatives. And then within each each niche vertical, whether it's file sharing, whether it's, you know, uh, there's a lot of different use cases uh, for for crypto. And within each one, uh, you can have two or three main competitors uh, and then all the rest are superfluous. They're, they're really not needed. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's what I see happening. I see a lot of amalgamation, a lot of acquisition and a lot of <laughs> bankruptcies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, now, what's your thoughts, you know, five, ten years out? Will Bitcoin continue to be the, the, the big player in the industry? And then you have these uh, other little altcoins coming in behind, uh, you know, providing a use case. What's your thoughts there? Another really, really good question. And there's a lot of debate within the crypto community uh, on exactly this question. Um, a lot of people look at Bitcoin and they say, uh, you know, it's it's um, the technology is somewhat antiquated. And the problem is, is that because Bitcoin is a fully decentralized, autonomous, uh, you know, entity, all development in terms of, or you know, any direction, future direction that the the coin goes is done by consensus. So there's thousands of developers all over the world that contribute to the the uh, code base. And anytime there's there's a question about which way to go and two alternatives, it's simply put up for a vote. And if you reach 80% consensus, you know, it moves forward. Um, th- this is actually how Bitcoin Cash uh, was born because in 2017. There was an issue uh, that they couldn't find consensus and the community was split. Uh, One community decided to stick with Bitcoin. One community forked the blockchain and that created Bitcoin Cash. And then from there, we had Bitcoin Gold and all these other uh, iterations. But essentially, um, you know, the the thought is that on the one hand, um, so it's, it's difficult to improve the Bitcoin code base 
you know, Ethereum, as an example, is moving from proof of work to proof of stake because there's there's some uh, big benefits from an environmental standpoint. Uh, Bitcoin, it's unlikely will ever be able to move in that direction because, again, it's it's a massive move and it requires consensus and it's unlikely because there, there's a downside to proof of stake as well from a security and centralization standpoint. Uh, so a lot of people believe proof of work, even though it is uh, it does uh, consume a lot of electricity, is still the best uh, con- uh, consensus mechanism for uh, miners and for, for confirming transactions. You remember from the last episode that proof of work and proof of stake are the two ways to validate cryptocurrency transactions. In proof of work, verifying crypto transactions is done through mining. In proof of stake, validators are chosen based on a set of rules, depending on how much of that token they commit to locking up to have the chance to be chosen as the validator. In either case, cryptocurrencies are designed to be decentralized and distributed, which means that transactions are visible to and verifiable by computers worldwide. This process can take a lot of computing energy and is one of the reasons crypto gets a bad reputation from environmentalists. Isn't that right, Russell? To just say that Bitcoin is bad for the environment uh, is, is not 100% accurate. So first of all, Bitcoin uh, it has is the largest use of renewable energy in the world because for miners, electricity is their single biggest cost. So they are incentivized to find hydro, you know, to set up uh, mining operations near hydroelectric plants to get free. And and that's happening in Quebec and elsewhere. Um, You know, any type of renewable energy is what every miner is striving for. Uh, And not necessarily because they're an environmentalist, but because it means more profit for them. So so that's number one. And, And the other thing is, if you look at any other industry, if you look at the credit card industry, the banking industry, you know, the amount of energy that they consume is is orders of magnitude bigger than Bitcoin. So, but at the same time, it, you know, it still is a legitimate issue and, and uh, we're always looking to try to minimize the environmental impact. But back to your question, uh, you know, the analogy is uh, Bitcoin has the first mover advantage, which is significant. And it also has uh, the network effect uh, because in, in terms of every metric, whether mining power, whether number of wallets, number of transactions, total trading volume, Every, by every metric, Bitcoin is number one. So it does have some significant advantages. But as people will point out, research in motion, you know, had 90% of the market at one point for mobile email. And uh, MySpace had, you know, 90% of the market for social media. And they eventually went, went, went away. And Facebook and, and Apple and, and um, you know, Google took over. So it, it's possible that there will be uh, another coin that that overtakes Bitcoin. My personal feeling is that that will not happen. I I believe very strongly that Bitcoin will maintain its position as number one. Um, you know, it is a figurehead. It's it's there's a lot of symbolism now with Bitcoin. Uh, and when you look at you know the the biggest thing is institutional investors, and I think that's also the, one of the reasons why the, the current this current market correction is less severe than in 2017 and less severe than in 2013. Uh, you know, we're following a, a very clear four-year super cycle, but in 2017, Bitcoin went from a high of 20,000 down to 4,000, which was a loss of 80%. 
Today, we're, we're from a high of just under 70,000 to just over 20,000. It's a, it's a fall of about 65 to 70%. So it's not quite as severe. And I, a big reason for that is because, you know, Mike is, Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy are holding 130,000 Bitcoin and Elon Musk and Tesla are holding 50,000 Bitcoin. And uh, El Salvador has 1,000 Bitcoin because now it's officially legal tender uh, in that country. So when you, well, they're facing some challenges with that. They are. But the monetary fund. For sure. Uh, but the, the point is, is that the, these institutional investors do not sell and they certainly don't panic sell the way retail investors do. And so, the, the, you know, their Bitcoin is sitting on on thumb drives in a safe somewhere and they're, and they're just going to continue holding it. And so the, the drop is less severe each each time we go through one of these four year cycles. So um, that that's how I, I see it. I think that uh, uh, we're already more than halfway to the next uh, reward halving, uh, which will happen in early 2024. And, you know, typically six months after that is when the bull run starts. And I think the next time around, uh, you know, I can see Bitcoin going to 250,000 and then it'll correct to, you know, 150,000 and everyone will start freaking out again. But that's that's uh, that's basically how these cycles go. Yeah, and I think with all the uh, monetary stimulus coming into the market and the way that, uh, you know, inflation is uh, running rampant right now, I I do think that a lot of people are going to jump back in um, that have jumped out prematurely to really try to benefit from the uptick with inflation as an inflation hedge. Um, So I think with that, I think that's about it for for today with regards to altcoins. So I want to thank you for providing your input on uh, this amazing topic on altcoins. And I look forward to talking to you again in the near future. Amazing. Thank you. Finding the experts in their field and to ask them the important questions is something that I really value. And that's why I started Crypto House, not only as a way to help shine light on this new era, but to also share with you the people in my life who have helped, like Russell, So please check out his contact information in the show's notes. And now my two cents for this week. If you're just starting out on your crypto journey, research is key. And to learn more about altcoins, I mentioned two sites earlier that I think would be great for you to check out. The first is Binance Academy, an educational platform that aims to educate crypto beginners that allow users to get acquainted with key terms and concepts in the cryptocurrency and blockchain ecosystem. The second is CoinMarketCap, which allows users to learn about different cryptocurrencies by engaging with video content and quizzes. Users that correctly complete the quiz at the end of each campaign will receive rewards straight to their crypto wallet. Lastly, another great source is CoinDesk, which publishes a range of content from crypto news to podcasts, research articles, and one-on-one explainer articles. Coindesk serves millions of readers today with the latest in digital assets and blockchain technology. I hope that now, through a better understanding of altcoins, that you're starting to get a deeper sense of the crypto world. Stay tuned, because our next episode is dedicated to the wild world of NFTs and the impact they could make that goes far beyond the world of digital art and collectibles. For more information on our guests and how to follow us on social media, check out the show notes. And if you'd like more information, 
visit matrixmortgageglobal.ca or hit me up on my social media, links in the description. And remember, you're always welcome at the Crypto House.